Hello, Maverick fans. Welcome to another edition of the Mav Puck Cast. Thank you, as always, for tuning in. I am Jason, and John is here to chat about hockey on the ice, real games, real players, real pucks, real posts. Yeah, we got to see what some else? UNO. We got to see some UNO hockey today, kind of. Was it weird, or did you feel like, oh, this is back to normal? Oh, I, I really enjoyed it. And I think, I, I will tell you, it was exhausting because I, it's, you know, I haven't been to hockey since, what, February, March. So it's, it's always tough to get back into it. I don't know what it is, but anytime the season starts, when I look at player numbers, my mind always reverts back to the early years of UNO hockey. I have no idea, but like when I see a certain number, like, I see the number 14, I think, John Rosso, who was on the very first UNO roster, and he's now a scout. I believe he's a scout for the Tampa Bay Lightning. Uh, he may not be with them anymore, but he was. And I just, my mind always goes back to those original players, and I have no idea why. So I have to reorient myself every year. I think we all do that. You know, teams that we follow, Yeah, you get attached to players, and that becomes, you know, the player. Yep. Yeah. Um, for me, good buddy Dan Hynote played for the Avs, number thirteen. Anyone who wears thirteen, that's you just who think they have that. to live yeah. up to right now. Yep, yeah, for sure. So, because of COVID situations and travel issues and things and and everything that's going on, the university decided that instead of an exhibition game. Uh, that UNO was going to play a inner squad scrimmage. Yeah, and I and, don't think I and I don't think Jason. I, I just on a cursory glance, I will admit I haven't looked at all sixty whatever teams that are in Division One hockey, but I don't know that anybody is playing an exhibition against a Canadian school this year. I would feel pretty safe to say not against a Canadian yeah. school. I know that the U.S. 18 yeah the 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 national development training program right yeah Uh, they will they will play those throughout the season yep yeah yeah and i think that like they've got they've got the the gauntlet in the big 10 if i remember right to begin the season so they've got like michigan state and Okay, so there are some schools up there. So they're making the rounds of the Big Ten hockey yeah. conference. Okay, well, so I think cool. this is close to you know really an exhibition as we're going to get, and yeah, we'll see how it goes. You know, we talk a lot of times about things that change and stuff in 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 hockey, and just kind of wondering what our coaches, you know, real feel for you know for what it is. It's to one advantage to the the scrimmage the way that UNO did it this year is is that your players get more puck touches, right? Yep. Like yeah. Half your pretty much half your teams on the ice the entire time, so uh, a lot more um stuff to go through, a lot more control. If you yeah. want to put an emphasis on 5 on 4, then you know they make yep. a lot of random phony calls like the goalie's getting 5 minutes for checking <laughs> or something like that. Yeah, and that's what they did today. They had uh, some uh, some four on four action and some three on three action to cut, try to get a little bit of that in, which I thought was kind of nice. They also uh, did a uh, did a little shootout practice at the end of the game to get some of that in. And and you don't have to worry. You know, obviously it's not you know real game action like you would get against uh, the Canadian teams that we typically have a preseason exhibition again. But you also don't have to worry about injuries and things like that. Yeah, but like you said, is it at game speed? And that's going to be the question. And so, yeah, when we when we get to the end of this podcast and we talk about what comes up next in the first official games of the season for the UNO Mavericks, uh, that's when we'll have to you know really kind of talk about do we do we expect some rust? How long before they get their legs under them? Are both teams kind of um, you know slow and lethargic, or are they? more upbeat and, and kind of just itching and ready to go. So, Yeah, exactly. But before we get there, we've got five new players and five new numbers that we need to have a short little discussion about, don't we? 
Yeah, we got a we got to see a lot of those guys at the front. Now, I will say Jason was in the car traveling home from South Dakota because he was at a youth hockey tournament for his daughters. Now, I will tell you, and maybe I just, maybe my memory's going, I don't remember you guys going on the road in September before. This seemed so early for you guys to be out of the state for hockey already. It It is. It's, an, it's very much an early start to the season. Um, our oldest made a a-level travel team and so she's uh she's got us on the road early we've got we were just in sioux falls and then here in a couple weeks we've got a showcase in pittsburgh so we'll make a trip out east and play a bunch of games out there so we'll be traveling a lot more this year it'll be it'll be fun it's always good to see your kids play it's it's a it's a unique thing and it's something that i really like and um but unfortunately, that means that a lot of Jason, things like yes, talking about Jason the scrimmage, misses I did that. Yes. FaceTime with Bridget, which was amazing <laughs> yes. that she was willing to you FaceTime are, me so that uh, I could see it. You are totally falling down in your podcast duties, and I have to tease you about that because Bridget was FaceTiming the game, and it was super <laughs> noisy, and I'm like, next time you do this... Well, I don't think there's going to be a next time because we normally we tweet during the regular games, not during a scrimmage, but we tweet during the regular games. But I'm like, you got to have your AirPods in when you're recording this, because otherwise we were like getting, you know, noise back from you guys. And so which was probably really annoying to the people around us. We had Connor, Connor Willingham, who is a longtime listener of this podcast, who is kind Shout of out to Connor. share it. Yeah, he sat with us today and. Jason and Jolene made it for the post-game shootout, which I didn't I didn't know you guys were coming, but it was pretty funny when you guys walked up the stairs. So we had yeah, that we going figured on. Right when we got into Omaha, we're like, you know what? If they have a third period, we can make the third period, or, or we can at least go and stop by and say hi. So it was fun to at least I, be able to kind of I will tell you, there were some there were there were some folks looking for you to be at the uh the uh, open skate that happened on the main rink after the thing. We, we saw some people after you guys left that said, where were they? But, but anyway, I digress. So we got to see a scrimmage today. We got to see a couple periods. Um, they added time to that second period they play after they Zambonied the ice. So um, we did get to see a lot of the newcomers uh, today, a lot of the new players on the team. Uh, a lot of good ice time for them and uh, uh, some really good minutes and some really good-looking players, I think. Uh, is there anybody you'd like to start with in particular? Because I'm going to start with number 14, Cameron Berg, who, to me, I thought was the most noticeable player on the ice. Uh, maybe I was just keyed in on him, but uh, you know, uh, a few years ago when he played with the Omaha Lancers, I was excited to see what he was going to do when he eventually made it to UNO. Uh, he had... Uh, had a really good season last season with the Muskegon Lumberjacks in the USHL. And I think, uh, as it was pointed out on my message board, he really kind of bloomed with them last year. And he looked really good. He's a player that I see getting a lot of time. I'll be interested to see where he fits in the lineup once uh, once the line charts come out uh, next weekend when the season starts. Uh, I think he's going to be a really good one. Uh, I liked his work in the offensive zone. I think that, uh, yeah, I think that he's one to watch. Uh, the player that Bridget noticed that she mentioned was defenseman Davis Pennington, and he's a guy who's been on the recruiting list for a long time, and I wondered uh, if he was uh, ever going to make it here. He worked his way up through the junior ranks playing in the North American Hockey League, the British Columbia Hockey League, and ultimately then the USHL, and I think he played for Muskegon too. I'm Let's... let's I'm going to check here on Davis Pennington, but she thought he was the most noticeable player on the on the ice. She really liked the looks of him. Uh, looked to be a an interesting offensive defenseman potentially for UNO. So, and I thought he looked great too. So yes, he did play for the Muskegon Lumberjacks last season. Seems to be a program that we're getting a lot of kids from, huh? And they they've 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 worked out really well. You know, Nolan Sullivan, uh, Brock Bremer had a had a stint with them. They, uh, they're like our farm team right now. So over the years, we've had different teams. I remember the we back in the day, we got a lot of players from the like that 
0405 time frame. We got a lot of players from the Indi- Indiana Ice back then. Obviously, in the early years of the program, we had a lot of Omaha Lancers on the roster. So yeah, Muskegon's kind of our uh, our team these days, and uh, it's not a surprise since uh, UNO assistant Dave Noel Bernier was a coach with them uh, at one point uh, a few years ago. Yeah, you know, Cameron Berg was tops of my list as well, I think. Yep. Uh, being a, a round four, another round four pick, that's coming in here, uh, coming in as a 19-year-old, so another young kid. Uh, you know, a lot of times with college hockey and yep. having a lot of friends, like, explain this. They want me to explain it to them and stuff, but, you know, it, it's different with hockey than it is with, like, college football and stuff where, you know, kids that come, like, straight out of high school or something are actually kind of the abnormality and not the norm. So he's a lip, he's a little bit more of what you would you would say is probably, you know, in college athletics, a normal transition where he comes out of, you know, his high school playing and straight into um, college level. He's He's got a few years out there, but I mean... Yeah, more traditional four, than three, most, I would say. Yeah, so. three three or four seasons in the in the junior ranks. Yeah. When you see a player like that, that's that's you, we get a lot of nineteen and twenty year olds on this roster, and that's that's typically what we see. So when we get a guy who's younger, and we'll be talking about uh, one of those players here in a little bit, but uh, it's usually unusual. So yeah, twenty seven uh, goals, thirty one assists last season uh, with Muskegon, and uh, obviously we're looking uh, we're looking. Uh, for good things out of him in the offensive zone this yeah. season. So a pick of the Islanders, I expect he'll make uh, the opening roster. Right. And, you know, it, it's going to just, we'll, we'll have to see how he adapts, you know. Yep. I think, you know, recently back to uh, Tyler Weiss coming in, right? Like, that's another right. guy that a lot of expectation. Um, I think a lot of people... I know at least argued that they were a little bit underwhelmed by his, his freshman season. And it just seemed to kind sure. of take a little bit for him to find his legs and find a fit and a feel. And, you know, eventually he did. And now he's, you know, a guy that we look to on the team and say, Hey, he needs to produce. He's expected to produce. And, um, you know, we just, if the team's going to be successful, we kind of need him to be that guy. Uh, you know, the other one that, that really jumped out to me when I looked at uh, the incoming kids and, and the, I say freshman, not really freshman in this case, but uh, Brandon McManus coming in as a grad transfer from Minnesota. Yep. It'll be, it'll be interesting to see how he's, you know, how well he gels. The, you know, uh, we had uh, Tyconic come in and he was, you know, amazing for UNO really last year. Like yeah, he was terrific and to have him come back is awesome. I would say the same thing uh, for Conley, you know, coming over from Denver. That was another student who came in who wasn't someone that was necessarily like traditionally recruited by the university. Uh, And, you know, he might be one of those guys. A lot of times these guys are like, they're kids that you recruited that you lost out on or kids that you kind of started recruiting and then, you know, you thought you'd go in a different direction and you saw them perform well at another institution and, you know, they're given an opportunity. I, I saw in an article, um, McManus was talking about, like, why make the transfer and why now? And he said it, it really came down to where does he have the best chance to, to make a move to the next level? And he just, you know, he's like, I'll have a better opportunity in Omaha to do it than I will. At Minnesota, so yeah, and it was it was the same thing. Yeah, it was the same thing with Tyconic, and and obviously, you know, with everything that went on with COVID, it's given some of these guys an opportunity in the transfer portal to continue their playing. Obviously, he's a a graduate transfer, so it's awesome. You know, you look at this guy was a you know twenty five point or so guy at, with Minnesota, and you would, you know, you would love to see him, you know be in that 15 to 20 point range for UNO this season. That would be huge. And that would be a, that would be a, a welcome addition to the lineup for sure. So I, like you said, and, and we saw a lot of him today too. And I thought he looked really good. Um, and he seems like a guy like Tyconic, as you mentioned, who can just step in and contribute right away in the, the lineup. So I think he'll be, I think he'll be a great one. Obviously great to get a, a, a veteran player, a veteran leader like that on the roster. Yeah, I was, interested 
to kind of hear, it, it was intriguing, let's say, to, to hear uh, Bridget talk about how Mueller kind of stood out to her because yep. Mueller was one that I was kind of like, eh. Coming in, this this is an Take interesting Take a flyer one. So, and see how he does kind of thing. Like, I just don't expect him to really, like, wow us day one type of thing. So here's here's the thing with Mueller. He I wrote a profile of him March uh, 2019 on the com blog. And at that time, he had just turned 16. He just, uh, I think his birthday is in February. So I did not think necessarily that we would be seeing him this soon because obviously he's an 18-year-old. He would have turned 18 back in February. Sometimes those guys end up playing junior hockey a little bit longer, like we were talking about with Cameron Berg. A lot of times coaches... uh, you know, have them move from the Canadian League sometimes to the USHL because those players could be around here. It's easier for the coaches to keep tabs on them. Uh, but he was a player that uh, his coach at the time uh, in Midgets up in Alberta said that his hockey IQ was off the charts. He played for the last two seasons in the Alberta Junior League, which is not one that we necessarily follow. When we look at the Canadian Leagues, a lot of times it's the BCHL is the, the league that we follow. Um, or we follow the players that we hope don't go play major junior and end up coming the college route. So he's he's a little bit of an unknown, and I agree with you, Jason. At this point, um, you know his his first season uh, with the Sherwood Park Crusaders, he had six goals and twenty four assists. But last year it was it was eight goals and three assists. I don't know what you could attribute the decline in production to, Jason. I don't know uh, what that was about, but I think he's one of those players that he's going to kind of kind of grow and come along. Obviously, he's younger than a lot of our, our incoming freshmen typically are. So I think he's one of those players that you might look at as, you know, being one of those players who can kind of come into his own in the second half of the season, a time when we're going to need depth with guys getting dinged up, guys getting fatigued as the season wears along. And I think he's going to be a really good player. I liked how he looked down low. I know what Bridget was talking about. Um, so early on in the scrimmage today, I thought he looked good. Yeah, I worry about... And and sometimes they just need to change the scenery, but I know a couple of websites had him on a negative trajectory as far as his production. So hopefully, you know, coming in here, uh, a new place, you know, I don't think he's expected to really kind of wow people out the gate. So he gets a year in the system, gets to learn some things, and then, yep. you know, maybe that's the change that he needs, the new scenery and stuff that'll spark something. And I think it's a similar note with uh, Davis Pennington. You know, he's a kid coming in, that is something that UNO kind of needs, especially in the quote-unquote modern game, as they call it. Uh, you know, UNO needs to do a better job in transition and moving that puck from back to forward, right? And to do that, it's it's going to take someone like Davis Pennington, but right now, if you feel like you want to, then we'll just lead with that. Otherwise, we can just move on to the next segment. So your talk, your your decision there. Oh, yeah. Let me just throw that in and you can see how well it fits or not. But, you know, okay. what I would, I mean, yeah, what I would say about Davis Pennington is, I mean, you look at his, his career in the juniors has just kind of slowly developed. He goes, you know, he's in the North American Hockey League, then in the BCHL, and then in the USHL. And he's, you know, his assist numbers have been really, really good the last two seasons, and I think he's one of those players, again, he's just kind of slowly evolving, slowly coming into his own. So I'm excited to see where 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 he fits as well because, again, a good offensive defenseman. We have a, we have a good offensive defenseman and a guy like Brandon Scanlon, so uh, it's, uh, it'll be uh, exciting to have another guy like that on the roster. So anything else you think we need to point out from uh, the scrimmage? Um, you know, it it's again <laughs> when the guys are playing each other, it's hard to it's hard <laughs> to get any get any real feel. The thing though that I you know, it's been a long time since they've done this uh, for fans, and uh, I remember years ago in the ninety nine two thousand season they they did one that year at the Civic Auditorium. They did a red white game because obviously our our uniform colors were predominantly red and white uh, as opposed to the black and white scrimmage which they did today and uh, I remember it was kind of fun that time because there was a player uh, by the name of David Brisson, a forward that a lot of fans are familiar with uh, 
who kind of stood out in that scrimmage. He was a player that we uh, that we didn't know was coming in that season, who kind of came in in the last minute, and he turned out to be a turned out to be a great addition to the roster and a really key player the next uh, four seasons for UNO. So it's always kind of uh, kind of exciting to get to see the guys warm up a little bit, and and certainly exciting before uh, the first season this coming weekend. So we're already jumping into the season. Something not really uh, related to what happened on the ice, though. On our way out, we found those kiosks near the food stand, and they had QR codes that led you to a website. And it apparently looks like, I don't know if this was a one-night thing or what the heck, but it appears as if you're going to be able to order food from your phone, pay for it from your phone, and then just go to the concession stand and pick up your food. Well, Is that I, how you understood that to work? I don't know. Can I? Is this where I get to do I'm, you know, my old school moment here? Despite the fact that I love technology, can I do the fact that I normally buy concessions with, you know, cash money, Jason? <laughs> I don't. I don't do QR code. I mean, I. That's that's fine. I just. I. It sounds really, really cool. I just wonder how it's going to work in practice. I wonder. I scan the QR code. I stand there and I order with my phone, and then I go up to. I mean. Is it, how long do I have to wait? Or is it going to be the, oh, you know, your order hasn't come through yet. So we're going to have to sit there. It did say it will text you when your food is ready. Oh, okay. I mean, it sounded kind of slick. It didn't require you to do an app. So I figured you'd be a little bit more on board with this than normal. Do it through the mobile website. Yeah, I'm I'm a little, that's, I'm more, it sounded like something you would really enjoy. So I'm I'm excited for you to, I'm excited for you to be testing it out. I I, I will guinea pig it. I'm waiting for like Grubhub in Baxter (laughs) where like I can just order from the concession stand and have someone, you know. Hike up to the top of 215 with Forrest to give us our food. <laughs> you know, I, I'll i tell you what. Maybe if something like this works, maybe eventually that will be down the road that uh, somebody you'll get, you know, food service. I mean, it used to be in order to get that kind of service, you had to sit in club seats. So it's, it's, uh, it's a possibility that you'll get to have that anywhere in the arena down the road. But it'll be interesting to see how that works for people. Um I don't know. Knowing how things go, I'm, I'm, I, I'll just be interested to see what I get tweeted out about that. I ordered my food 20 minutes ago. I still haven't gotten my text. I'm, I'm a very, I'm worried. I was just like, like we were at this scrimmage today, and I was, I was kind of worried because I know a number of fans, who are kind of in my age range, who are so who are in their like late 40s, early 50s, and my, my question about this, Jason, is I. Like we had talked about this last week, like I, I mean, I, I guarantee that there will be people like next week, you know, we will have played a series after next week against Lake Superior State. I do wonder how many people are going to be like getting on the you know, Mad Puck Facebook group or on Twitter. I'm going to get a DM and I'm going to be like, hey, have you heard anything about season tickets yet? I mean, I, I just, I don't know. I, I, I do wonder if there are some people who are going to be waiting to get, you know, that that notification that there's a, an event to pick up tickets or something else. I mean, I assume everybody knows that we're doing digital tickets or you can print them off on your printer at home or have the box office print you out uh, cardstock tickets. But I don't know. I, I mean, I hope everybody knows. I, 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 I really fear that they don't because I, 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 there's yeah. been no communication like whatsoever from the university on how this is going to happen. <laughs> And we're five days away from six days away from the first game. Like it, it almost come seems on, like figure so, this out. Like it almost at seems least like send so, an email that says this is the way it's going to happen. I don't know. Give me a phone number to call if I want to complain or something. Like do something. It it might be worth doing a follow up email because they sent out an email a while back. Um, but it it does feel like it might have been something worth, you know, maybe sending out a, a postcard about, you know, to season ticket holders to check on your My Mavs account or or give you a call just because, I mean, I look at it, they're saving, you know, thousands and thousands of dollars not printing tickets, but they might have might have benefited from sending out one email because I do wonder, it's going to be like mid-October and people are going to be like, 
are we getting our tickets or not? I, it's, it's always one of those things because we do a lot of stuff digitally online. Uh, that's a lot of our business now. In fact, it's most of our business. And so we, you know, send people messages ad nauseum promoting things and reminding people of things. And it's one of those things that's hard to know what to do because obviously we're all kind of in a bubble and we talk about UNO hockey and follow UNO hockey all the time. And we text uh, back and forth wondering if we've heard anything on this or that. So some of that stuff gets cleared off, but you, you can never take it for granted that, you know, everybody's on Facebook and everybody's on Twitter because you know, as well as I do, there are a lot of people who aren't. So It'll be interesting to see what turnout's like, certainly coming up. And uh, so that was a little bit of a side. Well, what the sentiment is going through the season, too. You know, this is the first time that we really haven't had that, that we have this kind of expectation of a season, but not that event, right? Right. I know a lot of people, that was kind of the the start of the season, was that ticket pickup event. And you got to meet players and you got to see the coach. And yep get your tickets and get your, you know, your card or something or whatever it was. And, you know, there's usually the ability to cross promote. So, you know, I think it was a few years ago, you, the volleyball team was there to kind of glad hand and some of the basketball basketball, players were there. Right. Like, and that's, that's kind of lacking. So I can see how the university doing promotions where it's like, you know, if you can get a friend to buy season tickets, then right. You know, you're entered in a chance for basketball tickets. It's because, yeah, because they need to, they need a way to cross promote. Uh, and I wonder how much of that's going to have to now happen at the games. Right. I think you're absolutely right. I think more of it will. Certainly, as you just mentioned, they did promotion with this uh, scrimmage event that you could invite fans uh, to come with you. And if they ended up buying a full or half season ticket, uh, you could win a, uh, I believe, a a basketball season ticket. I think that that's, we had talked about that last week and I believe I got clarification. I did not uh, answer that on Twitter. Like I promised, I got very, very busy this week. So my apologies on that, but you're right. That season ticket event was kind of the kickoff to the season. And now people aren't getting anything and almost whether they picked it up at the event or they got their tickets in the mail, it was, it was like a reminder that the season is happening. The season's starting. People would see the tickets and they'd see those dates on each of the tickets and they could kind of, you know, add those, those games to their calendar uh, so that they knew that they were happening. And it's also one of those things. A lot of people would be like, do we have a series coming up? And they go look at their ticket book and they would see that, Oh yeah, this weekend we have a series coming up. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how that works. Certainly you remember when they went with the credit card tickets, the season after that, which was last season, which, uh, was obviously changed around quite a bit because of COVID and they didn't do season tickets. You had heard, like I had heard that they were going to do printed season tickets. And so, um, ultimately, uh, it sounds like that's not going to be, it's like we (laughs) recording one segment at a time. Time. All right. There'll be a lot of editing in this one. Yeah, I know, right? All right, John. So are we ready to start uh, chatting about the season, the upcoming teams, do some rankings here? Yes, we are ready to talk about the upcoming season. So we always like to start with uh, NCHC. Yep. I liked last year's format. Go back and forth. What do you think? Sure, sounds good. All right. So... Top to bottom or bottom to top? Which way you want to go? It's up to you. I'm down with let's whatever. Go. Let's go eight to one. Okay. I think eight to one sounds good. So, okay. bottom spot. NCHC, the worst team in the best conference in the country. I'm, sorry to, I'm sorry to say that I'm going to have to go with Miami again. I don't remember how many years in a row this has been. And it's one of the few that we typically agree on. But it seems like the last few years, you and I are both on the same page. And that streak will continue because I just don't see anything at Miami that makes me go, wow, they got a lot better. I know, right? It's it's too bad. Now, I do think that that program... 
you know, new coaching staff that came in last season. I do think that eventually they're going to be able to turn it around. I just don't know that it's this season. And this is one of those weird seasons where there's a lot of really good returning talent on these rosters. So I, uh, I have to believe, but I will tell you in the NCHC preseason media poll, they had Colorado college in last place. So <laughs> maybe they're slowly working their way up the, well, up the chart. How about number seven? By. Cause I've got Colorado college at seven. So uh, I, mean, I, I, guess I have that wouldn't them surprise me. I have them at seven too. So it could be, it could be either way. You just never know. Yeah, those two teams, kind of a class of their own, unfortunately. And yep. it's a, it, you know, it's a shame with Cairo College opening their new arena. You kind of, yeah. And that's always for me. Actually, that was the kind of piece. Like I was on the fence as to which one to put at eight, and I actually put Cairo College at seven because I felt like the appeal of having their brand new rink, their home on campus, you yep. know. They're going to be motivated to put in a good effort every time they play at home. And so I just think they will be a tough team to go on the road and play against. Uh, It's a beautiful looking new arena. And I think, honestly, I think that that facility is going to have a lot more atmosphere than World Arena did. The World Arena, that place was, it was awful to watch. (laughs) On On the bus trip we took there, it was... It was one of those things where you thought if this place is full, it could be cool, but it was rarely full for games and obviously not a not an on-campus type atmosphere. So I'm with you. That's that's part of the reason that I had them in seventh place, too. Yeah, that was always hard because it's off campus. And as we know at UNO, it can be difficult to get people to go out that far. So, yep. All right. So bottom two teams. How about number six? This is where it gets more difficult, isn't it? <laughs> and I have I have a reputation for making just some wild picks in these. So my sixth place team is going to be Denver University. Really? <laughs> yes. So what don't you like about Denver that you put them in six? I don't know. I didn't. You know, I will tell you. You the just media, don't like Denver. They, I, I don't like Denver. I didn't think they looked that great last year, to be honest with you. Now, I don't, I will, I will say we're at that point in the season where I really haven't given them a look. I don't know what they do or don't having have coming in this season. I do know that they had a lot of young players last season, so it's possible they'll be very good, but I'm picking them in sixth place because they're Denver and I don't like <laughs> them. I just, you know, <laughs> it's just, it's one of those things. It's it's very possible they will finish higher than that. They'll finish in fourth or fifth place, but I'm picking them in sixth place. They're a younger team on the front end. A lot of their experience and their age comes on their back end. You know, they've got Tuomisto returning. They've got Krona in net. Yep. I you know, know. It's, I, it's, it's, it's hard to pick them that low, right? I know. Like Bobby Brink, I think the big thing for me with Denver is their size. You know, I worry a little bit about their forwards kind of getting pushed around. But even at that, like it's Denver, it's hard for me to kind of say, you know, they're going to have two bad seasons back to back. They really didn't have that. I mean, they didn't have a great season. Right. But it wasn't like it wasn't terrible. I just don't see them moving that direction. Um, so I've got, (laughs) I struggled with this one a lot. My five and six picks are, I could see these, it's kind of like Howard College of Miami. Like I could see these two teams being either which way. Uh, ultimately I landed on Western Michigan. Yep. I think that, I think they've got a good base. I don't know that depth happens and i think it's just like last season you know one injury and the team goes from competitive to the seller you could be right on that there's some things that just they just sit bad with me like looking at the team and then the things that i've seen last year and i so i don't know there it was just a kind of a, a personal feeling there um but I have UNO just above them in five, and I wouldn't be surprised if 
especially if Western Michigan comes out of the gate hot and puts up points kind of the way UNO did last year, that UNO finds themselves in, for me at least, in that that sixth spot. Um, and Western Michigan leapsfrog them, you know, who knows, maybe into a home playoff series in a fourth spot. But well, I had so Western I have Mich- Western Michigan in six. I have UNO in five. Who do you have at five? You had Denver at six. Yep, I've got Western Michigan in fifth. Okay. And I've got North Dakota in fourth place. <laughs> the look okay. on your face right now. <laughs> yep. You've got North Dakota barely making a home playoff series. Yep, that I do. It's happened you, you before. Like... It's happened before. I don't know. I feel like yeah. I feel like they lost a lot during the off season. That's my thought. They, I would agree with that. They did. They're they seem to be one of those teams that it doesn't seem like what they lose. They always seem to find something to replace it. So. Right, and I think if you look at last season, I I'll be perfectly honest with you. I don't. I think for all the teams in the conference, I don't just think this is them. I think that they're. There was a lot. There are just a lot of those names that we got to know on this team over the last three or four seasons are gone. You know, just scrolling through their roster, I'm not seeing a lot of familiar names. And that's why I think they'll be down a little bit this season. Just my 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 personal opinion. You got a lot of freshmen and sophomores on that roster. And so I don't know. I just a lot of the big names, the big names in net, uh, the blue liners, the skaters up front. I, I just I don't I don't see the names that we saw before. That's not to say that they won't be really good. It's just to say that I they're not the type of team that I think is going to be at the top of this conference. And again, I could be wrong, but that's why I'm picking them in fourth. So let's recap to make sure they have this down right. Yes. Okay. We we agree Miami at the bottom. Yep. We agree CC at the seven. Correct. At six, I have Western Michigan, you have DU. Yep. At five, you have Western Michigan, I have UNO. Yep. And then you gave us your four pick at North Dakota, correct? I did. Okay, so I owe my four pick. Okay. And I have DU as my four pick. I see them. I I can see them riding Corona to, to a four seed. I and don't I, see them riding him any further than that. Right, he's a great goaltender. Certainly, uh, goaltending is the the thing that will uh, win for you down the stretch in February and March. So, yeah, now he, that's he's a great said, guy. But just like we saw, Western Michigan was an entirely different team last year. Um, with why is his name just like I seriously just had it in my head and now it's gone. Got injured in the pod. What the heck? God, I hate when this happens to me. In any case, their top goaltender goes down and that just totally changed the, the complexion for Western Michigan. And the same yep. thing can happen for DU with Corona. If Corona goes down, yep. if he gets hurt and he misses any you know significant stretch of time, I have a lot less confidence in Denver's ability to make hay and get points. So I agree with you. If if that happens, I you're you're picking them at six is for me almost a almost a dream situation because if they lose him, I wouldn't be surprised <laughs> if CC leapfrogs him or something ridiculous like that. So right, who knows? Yeah, you never know. You never but, know. But I'm planning on this team as it sits, no injuries, and that's what I that's kind of where I put it. So Yep. So that got us into playoff teams. You have North Dakota at home in the first round. I have a DU yep. home at first round. I actually have now I just realized this. I have UNO going to DU again. So hey. Yeah, thanks. Thanks a lot, Jason. For those who don't know, we've been having technical difficulties. So this is the point where right after Jason said that, you know, the 
the uh, FaceTime call should have just completely frozen at that point. <laughs> where, no, I don't want to go watch them play at Denver. I'd much, I'd much rather see my matchup, which is Western Michigan going uh, to the Ralph to play a first-round series against North Dakota, which that would be a very interesting series. Well, you know, you talked about uh, my issues this season with having to be gone for for youth hockey Ugh, and stuff. This yes. might be the this might be the point that hashtag fire Jason from Mavpuck. <laughs> hashtag fire Jason. Yep, yep. We're going to be including that with you know hashtag Mavpuckcast. Hashtag fire Jason for picking a. <laughs> D, a former DU season ticket holder here, but uh, yeah, you can, uh, you can, you can, you can make it trend, and who knows? Maybe let's it'll hope happen. Jason jinxes them like he does, you know, non-conference uh, opponents with the national championship pick. So we're up to three now. We got three. So let's go three. Okay. Let's see here. You've got. We'll do. Here's here's a short recap. On your board left is St. Cloud, Duluth, and Omaha. That's right. Yes. My board left has North Dakota, St. Cloud, and Duluth. Right. Okay. So in third place, third place, I'm going with the University of Nebraska at Omaha Mavericks. I'm very excited. I think they could potentially finish higher than that. Here's my feeling on UNO, and this is uh, if there are any UNO players out there listening, coaches, etc. I mean, they're busy. They're getting ready for their first series of the season, so I doubt they have time to listen. But here's what I would say. Championships are not won in February and March. Conference championships are competed for in October, November, and December, depending on when the first uh, conference series is. This year it happens to be in early November. Those games, if you look at UNO's games in the first half of the season, they have a real opportunity to come away with some good conference points. And that's one of the things that they have to be able to do. You know, you can't wait until January. And here's why UNO can't wait until January, because they start off January with a series at home against Denver. Then they go on the road to North, or then they, yeah, they go on the road to North Dakota, and then they have a series at home against Minnesota Duluth, all top teams in the conference. So UNO has to start to chip away and build up points in the conference standing in November and December when they play teams like Miami, they go to St. Cloud, they play Colorado College, and they go to win uh, Western Michigan. Those are, that's the time when they have to be able to beat those teams. And so if they can get the job done early, and I'm not saying they're going to go undefeated against those teams, but if they can have a good performance against those teams before the first of the year and put themselves in a good spot in the conference race, yes, I think they can finish second or third in the NCHC this season. It's mainly looking at the, the experience on this roster, the depth on the roster, I think that there's an opportunity to do that. So that's why I'm picking it. But... They can't be complacent. They can't try to do it in January because they'd have to kind of run the gauntlets to start off the year, and they don't want to get themselves behind the eight ball. For me, I'll say top three I could see falling in any order. Yep. So this is really, for me, like kind of just a almost a guess, just a – Sometimes it really is just a gut feeling as okay. to how things are going to fall. Um, okay. I'm North Dakota hasn't had a lot of adversity in recent years. And I sure. think this is the year that they might have to struggle a little bit to get where they expect to be and where they want to be. So with that, I have my number three as North Dakota. Okay. Like you said earlier, they did lose some things. I don't know about the pieces coming in. I have faith that they'll work out because it's North Dakota and they always seem to. Uh, but I just think there's going to be some some growing pains this year, and so that's where I'll that's where I'll put them. So um, I will finish out my bracket first, and then I'll let you finish out yours. Okay. So I still have on the table St. Cloud and Duluth. And I'm actually going to put St. Cloud as my top team. 
Okay. I still think that one of the biggest home ice advantages in the conference is St. Cloud playing on an Olympic sheet. And I still hate that that schools are allowed to do that. Like, I, I hate the idea that the playing field itself differs depending on where you go. But I think they use it to their advantage, and I think they're going to here. And so I have SCSU at one and UMD at two. I have the same order for both of those teams. And the reason I have St. Cloud in first is that I think there's a lot of that kind of, you know, unfinished business mentality. If you look at the, you know, NCAA championship game last season, uh, it was pretty exciting to see him in there. Um, you know, you, you look at a lot of the returning players, guys like Easton Brodzinski, Kevin Fitzgerald, you know, Yami Cranola, et cetera. I, they've got a lot of really good talent back on that roster. And so... I don't see a reason why they can't make another run. Duluth, we obviously have up there because they're Duluth, and that's a team that, you know, they, you know, under Scott Sandlin, they're able to find a way. You know, uh, his early tenure there didn't, you know, didn't start off, you know, magical or majestic. But I got to tell you, in this conference over the years, they've been very, very good. And when they get to the postseason, they find a way to win. And we were just talking. Uh, at the scrimmage uh, today about that five-overtime game that they played against North Dakota uh, in the NCAA regionals last season, which was a heck of a game. That probably should have <laughs> that should have been the uh, national championship game right there, quite honestly. Uh, yeah, great, great game against those two teams. So, uh, again, that's, that's, that's why I have those two at the top. But I think UNO can can do so obviously they 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 haven't had a lot a, a long history of success in recent years but uh they can find their way back into the ncaa tournament and i'd love to see them finish third in the conference race gonna put you on the spot here then yep in the past four or five teams out of the nchc have made the ncaa playoffs right do you feel a question okay two-part question okay Part one, do you think five teams of the NCHC make the playoffs? And part two, whether that's three, four, or five, whatever you think makes it out, what are those teams that make the NCAA playoffs? Well, that's a very interesting question because I believe I had St. Cloud one, Duluth two, Omaha three. Uh, did I have North Dakota in fourth? North yeah. Dakota in fourth. Uh, and I had, and I know why you asked this, because I had in fifth, I had... Western Michigan, and there's they're always an unknown. They're, God, they're, they're like the Rodney Dangerfield of the NCHC. They just don't get a lot of respect from any of us. Uh, they've had a tremendous amount of success. But you do wonder, you're like, is it, is, is it going to be kind of like last year where there's a little bit of debate as to who should get in? So you're like, is it going to be the top four teams and then like Denver sitting down there lurking in six? Is, is Denver going to make a little bit of a run and uh, the NCHC playoffs, I, I don't, I hope not because they would presumably, if they finish sixth, UNO finishes third, <laughs> they play each other. Uh, they come here to Omaha to play their, uh, their first round series in the NCHC, uh, tournament. So yeah, let's say don't hope they don't come and upset us in our first, uh, uh, home playoff series in, you know, years, um, I don't know. That would be very, very interesting. I, I could see Western Michigan making it in again. Um, in fact, I would prefer that. So yeah, let's have that happen. And, and isn't there a, isn't there a regional out there and, uh, um, Aurora, Colorado again? I believe you're right. I believe they said they're going to put one out there again. I was going to say, I, I wondered if that was two years in a row, so. I can't. I can't remember for sure. So I'm sure. I can't remember if that or if it's because of COVID. They just kind of. I know a lot of leagues and stuff just punted everything down one year, to say like, all right, we're gonna make COVID year just happen. Like we're just gonna figure out a way. And then you know you had your spot, so you'll just have your spot the next year instead of this year type of thing. So I don't know. We'll have to look that up and see. Yep. Um, I think four is a lock. I think the top four in the NCHC are in. So for me, St. Cloud, 
Duluth, North Dakota, Denver. Um, I have UNO getting in. I think that they're gonna. It's gonna take a run. They're gonna have to win a playoff series. They're gonna have to go on the road to DU and upset DU to do it. But I think they've got it. I think they've got enough in the tank to be able to, you know, impress the selection committees and get in. And I think that they want to give them another shot at it after everything that happened against Minnesota last year. So I, that's that's my feeling. That's what I'm going to go out there and say. I find it interesting that we both have them playing Denver. We just wouldn't have us going there, wouldn't have us coming here. I'm sorry, it is Loveland, Colorado. And uh, yeah, it is funny that we both have them playing, but in a different uh, scenario. And yes, uh, the regional was in Loveland, Colorado. I don't know why I said Aurora, but uh, yes. So they will be back at, uh, it'll be Albany, New York, Allentown, Pennsylvania, Loveland, Colorado, Worcester, Massachusetts. And then the Frozen Four is in Boston this year, so or this mm. uh, I guess that would be next spring. So shipping up to Boston. Yep, UNO does everything significant in their program uh, in the state of Massachusetts. Our first NCAA regional was in Worcester, Massachusetts. Our first Frozen Four was uh, at TD Garden in Boston, and I would say uh, it would be, you know, really fitting if we are going with that pattern for to have UNO win their first national championship in Boston, Massachusetts. So there you go. So we always like to make a uh, national champion pick. <laughs> yes, we do. So what do you want to, do you want to go out there and say something? Do you want to toss you know, and, something and, on the... Last the field year, to start we, with. Last last year we forgot to do this. In the previous two seasons, I had picked Minnesota Duluth, and I believe they got to the uh, championship game both of those seasons, if I recall correctly. So the question is, do I want to pick Duluth <laughs> again? Do I want to just stick with the tried and true, or do I want to go with something uh, something different? I will tell you that uh, a team that a lot of people are impressed with early on. Uh, in this preseason is Michigan. We didn't get to see them in the NCAA tournament last season. They uh, had to leave their regional site because of uh, COVID restrictions. Uh, something had happened there, so we didn't get to see them play and see how they did in the tournament. Uh, the team has uh, definitely started to improve to their old form under Mel Pearson. Um, do I want to pick Michigan winning the national championship? No, I don't want to pick Michigan winning the national championship. Am I going to pick Michigan winning the national championship? Yes, I'm going to say that the Michigan Wolverines win the national championship. I can't believe I'm going against my conference, the NCHC. I don't know. J Jason normally picks the Big Ten and Hockey East teams, and I'm like, were you going to pick? Were you going to pick Michigan, Jason? Just tell me. <laughs> If so, I'll Did go you, with Duluth. You just so. wanted to get it out there so I couldn't pick them or something? Is that what you're saying? No, I want you to pick them. I just go ahead. We could we could have the same pick. We could see we could no see fun. what that does to the karma. But yeah, I I, I think it was Quinn Sebesta who mentioned Michigan on my message board. So uh he wasn't sold on them, but I'm I, I saw him mention that and I read his brief analysis. So yes, I'm going to I'm going to. Well, it seemed like you know, every pick at the draft, at the NHL draft in the first round was, he's headed to Michigan know, next right? season. He's headed yeah. to Michigan next season. So I think a lot of people got jaded by that. It was striking to me to see the, the writers poll on USCHO. Uh, that, and like, I don't think it was all of them, but it was like almost all of them had picked Minnesota. Oh, okay. That's you know what? Under Bob Motzko, that's that's not a bad pick, actually. And I <sighs> if I want to keep my streak of like the team that I don't think's gonna win it this year, <laughs> picking them so that they like really, you know, they're probably gonna win it the next year because I did that with BC and I did it with Wisconsin and it's like, gosh, you know, they seem to have a better season 
season after I picked them. Yeah. And you know, my Wisconsin pick was based a lot on you look at their incoming talent. Talent. And yep. it was one of the best recruiting pools in the country that year. And I look Absolutely. at Michigan's and I say the same thing. They probably have one of the best recruiting classes talent wise coming in this year. But I get the feeling like this is not their year that those guys are going to need some adaptation period. Now, the one thing that worries me is if they start getting it towards the end of the season, especially in the big 10, yep, when you're yep. in conference play again, you know, yeah. where night in night out, like I can see Michigan doing some serious damage the second half of the season, you know, going in as like a, a mid seed into the tournament and just being one of those like perennial mid seeds that just, they come in kind of underwhelming and then they just yeah. blow teams out and you're kind of going like, where do they come from? So, right. you know, Providence did it for a while there. That was their MO to come in kind of under the radar and just shock teams. They did it the year you yep. know, went to the frozen four. So, so yeah, I could, uh, I can see why people are, are infatuated with Michigan. I just, I look at the conference and I'm kind of with them. Like, I still think Minnesota's the better team out there. Right. And you've got Notre Dame and Wisconsin you have to get through. So it's That's just right. not an easy conference to play in. Um, well, and you never know, like a, like a team like uh, Penn State under Guy Godowski, uh, they tend to be solid even if they're not in the mix uh, in the postseason. So... Yeah, I don't know. That that conference is not – I mean, I, I follow them, but I don't know. A lot of seasons recently they've been underwhelming, so I you know I don't know. But now that Bob Motzko has Minnesota going again, it could be interesting this season. So I'll say that I, I made my pick thinking, oh, God. <laughs> that I was going to pick, gonna pick, pick the same thing I'll as pick me. Duluth. This is going to be the most boring segment of the podcast. <laughs> So I'm really happy that you went out there and didn't pick an NCHC team so that the year that I pick an NCHC team goes down in the record books as the year that we didn't agree, even on the same conference. You know, I have a, a safe pick. Oh, you've got Duluth. See, I thought I've you might got, pick St. Cloud. You know, here's the deal. Like, I think that the teams that go in with number one seeds have this expectation that's put on their shoulders. And I always like seeing those years where the, the mid tier teams get in and do some damage. And I always enjoy those games when, you know, when the four seed knocks off the one seed or when a three seed knocks off a one seed, something along those lines. Right. Yep. I did have an inkling to pick Wisconsin in this kind of same situation. So I'll put them as like my number two, but I really think that, that Duluth knows how to win these things clearly. Yep. Yeah. And they play in one of the best conferences. I've got them coming in at a, at a mid seed. And I just think that they're going to be able to go in and lean on their experience, lean on, their development through the season and, and that kind of forged through iron aspect that the NCHC and the big 10 have. Um, there's some sleepers out there, you know, how will you UMass do again? Boston university should be better. Um, you know, Boston college has a competitive team. Um, I've heard rumblings about Northeastern being a little bit of a surprise and UMass Lowell having a comeback year. So those two teams could be ones to kind of keep an eye on and watch. And, you know, one of those teams gets hot and that could be a dangerous team to see, you know, in a playoff. Yeah. Um, but I wanted to pick one of those like mid. I know Duluth, teams that Duluth, I had going as into you the know, playoffs. So. As you know, it was hard for me not to pick Duluth. As, a, as I said before, Scott Sandlin always has them ready and prepared to play. You look at some of the returning players on that roster, guys like, Louis Rail, Cole Kepke, the Cates brothers. Um, yeah, I mean, I, again, a, a, a tough team to play. And sometimes they, they don't always look that impressive down the stretch in the conference, and you're kind of scratching your head, and you're like, will they fizzle out in the postseason? And something about when that team gets into the NCAA tournament, it doesn't matter where they're placed or where they, they're seated, they, they seem to find a way to get to the Frozen Four. And, Obviously, like we talked about earlier, they had that epic 
Um, they had that epic five overtime game against North Dakota uh, last season, and uh, that was a fantastic game. And some some good returning goaltenders. Uh, Ryan Fanti is the 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 guy who's returning in net this season. Um, he should be better this season. I mean, I just they're they're a really really interesting team. So. Um, a lot of young players, but a lot of returning talent too. So I, that's that's who I wanted to pick. But I'm like, I'm just gonna I'm gonna do the Jason. I'm gonna pick Michigan, and then we're gonna you know they're gonna start off like zero and four, and we're gonna be like, what the heck were we talking about? So <laughs> there we go, role reversal. We'll see what happens. Maybe maybe if I pick, then they'll you know go all the way. So it'll be interesting to see. So next weekend, season starts October second and third. It is a Saturday Sunday series. So. Those of you yep. who listening don't show up on Friday because I don't know what you're going to see, <laughs> boxing match or something. Who knows? We just uh, hope we just hope people show up this weekend. Disney on ice? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what's at Baxter on Friday. It's not UNO hockey. So show up on Saturday. Show up again on and, Sunday. And I will tell you, for those of you who aren't going to be at the games, who are long distance, who are either listening to the you know the games on the radio or listening. Uh, and watching on NCHC TV, UNO has a new play-by-play guy this year named Casey uh, Rail. I think it's Rail. Maybe maybe he uh, pronounces his last name Roll. I don't know. Uh, I'll have to do a little bit more research. He's got uh, some uh, some demo material on his Twitter account uh, that I'll have to check out. But a new young play-by-play guy. It's hard to believe that this is only the fourth play-by-play. Uh, person that UNO has had for their hockey program since the program started in 1997. So they come to Omaha. Yep. Set the stage. This is right now. Last time I saw they were a top 15 team. Yeah. Lake, to be. Lake State had a lot of success last season in what was then the WCHA. Now uh, realignment has happened in that conference, and they are now part of the new CCHA, resurrected from the ashes. It's so weird to see CCHA, you know, all-conference preseason picks and things like that listed on Twitter. It's, you know, when the conference was dormant for so long, but they are back. They had success in the postseason. They had success in the NCAA tournament last year. It's great to see Lake Superior State on the comeback trail. And I think this is going to be an interesting matchup for UNO. But I like UNO's chances. I think uh, UNO playing their first 10 games at Baxter Arena this season is going to be really beneficial for them. And I think that this is an opportunity for them to make a statement at home early on. I'm going to say UNO sweeps this Saturday-Sunday series against Lake State. And we're going to start off the season 2-0. Wow. So yeah. two fairly even matched teams, and you think we can come away with both of them, huh? We're going we're gonna, to we're gonna find out how, with, with no you know, interconference play last season, we're going to find out how closely matched they really are. But uh, I, think, I think UNO is uh, a lot better than people think going into this season so i'm gonna say we sweep this series out of the gate i like your optimism (laughs) i do not share your optimism (laughs) um i don't know i think it's it's a difficult thing to do to come out especially after everything that was last season and, and and the odd stuff you had to go through last season and expect a team to play against another team that's kind of on that same level and to be that successful. So I have a split. Um, I have us winning the first game. I don't know that... I could see us winning and tying. That's where I go. Okay. Kind of, like, especially if we win that, that first night. I think if we lose that first night, that it becomes an entirely different Sunday night game. Um, but I'm going to go, I'm going to go win in a, let's say win in a tie. Um, I just don't like, there's a lot of things I like about Lake state. Uh, I think they've got a good coaching staff. 
and that's one thing that can kind of get you through stuff. Uh, Mike York is one of their assistant coaches, and I he's just been he's impressed me everywhere he's been. Um, so I don't know, like Winton's their head coach. They, they the were alignment just, stuff kind yeah. of throws a, a, a monkey wrench into the whole thing of like, how are they going to deal with, you know, the teams that they are used to playing against, but also, you know, this new wild card in St. Thomas. Um, yeah. I, I don't know. Like, I don't know how that will play out for them, but I expect that they'll still be a competitive team and they're a team that will come to Omaha prepared and ready to beat Omaha in two games and sweep them out of their home arena. So we can't, we can't come into this week lazy and thinking that, you know, something's going to, that we're in a better conference or something like that. Some of the attitude stuff get in there. So hopefully. Well, certainly we can't take any of these early season opponents for granted, uh, granted or we'll, uh, uh, we could uh, end up getting bitten in some of these early season games. Yeah, like like you said, this uh, Lake State team is intriguing. This was the team. They were kind of an interesting story in the NCAA tournament. They have a number of European players on the roster. I mean, they've got several European. I think they have three guys from Sweden on this team. they got guys from Belarus, France, Slovakia. Yeah. I mean, they're all over the place. And I think that that's great for that program because they've had, they've had their struggles in – you know, the past 20 plus years, uh, recruiting good players from, uh, North America. So I, I think the coaching staff has done a terrific job. It's going to be an interesting matchup for UNO. I'm calling the sweep. I was analyzing their roster while Jason gave his pick so he can reiterate it here for you. What did you say? A, a win and a tie for UNO? Win and a tie. Yeah. Okay. Okay. That's what, that's, that's what I thought. I'm, uh, we're both zoning out here, so uh, <laughs> let's wrap this thing up. Uh, so hopefully we'll see you guys at the series. Uh, if not, listen on the radio, listen online, as we mentioned earlier. And until next time, go Mavs. Go Mavs. Go Mavs.